This is the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast, episode number 15, sponsored by Thomas Avenue Ceramics. Home improvements, home renovations, home maintenance, home repairs, and all the other challenges of home ownership. Welcome to the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast. Greetings and salutations. My name is Doug, and on this episode of the Thumb and Hammer Podcast, I'm going to fill in the blanks. Back in episode 13, I talked about what happened between the time that we decided to put our house on the market and the time that it sold. In the last episode, I talked about what happened in the first year that we owned our current house, starting pretty much from the day that we moved in. So, what happened between the time of the sale and moving day? Well, that is what today's episode is about. Now, I know what you're thinking. A whole podcast episode about packing boxes? Ooh, how exciting. But I can assure you, nothing ever goes according to plan. It's definitely a little bit of Murphy's Law here. Whatever can go wrong, will go wrong. And it's also a little more than that. I talked before about how selling our money pit was like getting out of a bad relationship, that no matter how hard we tried, it was obvious that the relationship was never going to work, and it was best for everyone involved to just move on. And we have moved on. We have a new house, and our old house has a new owner. But sometimes, when a relationship ends, you end up with a psycho ex. Okay, well, first of all, let me assure you that I'm not crazy or new agey. I don't really believe that our house actually became vindictive and was responsible for the chain of events leading up to closing day. But... Once you remove logic and common sense from the equation, well, a case could be made. So let's go back to, I think, November. Once all the I's were dotted and T's were crossed for the sale of our house and the purchase of the new one. The closing dates were set for February, which gave us around 10 weeks or so to get our stuff packed and ready to go. Should be plenty of time, right? Well, that was part of the problem. The deadline it, the deadline wasn't immediate enough to get us motivated. We plodded along, got some stuff packed and moved into storage, but we weren't exactly breaking a sweat. And right in the middle of that time was Christmas. We headed 10 hours down the highway to visit my wife's family for close to a week. It wasn't until we returned home that there was any sense of urgency at all to get our stuff together ready for moving day. Not only that, but we had also decided that much of our old furniture would not be making the move with us. Nope. Our fresh start would include new furniture. So we went shopping. Now, let me be abundantly clear here. I am a guy. And as a guy, I do not like shopping in general. And I didn't particularly like shopping for furniture. but. I gotta tell you, there was something about the idea of shopping for furniture that was quite enjoyable. That fresh start thing and all that. So we went shopping for furniture with a fairly healthy budget thanks to the equity that we were going to be keeping out from the sale of our house. Except we didn't really have that money yet. So we took advantage of the 12 months same as cash financing where we could, and the rest went on the credit card. 
and once we got the proceeds from the sale, everything was going to be paid off. Now, this is important. We have two credit cards. One is for everyday purchases that we pay off every month. And it's also a points card, which earns us free groceries. And it only has a $5,000 limit. The other card has a much higher limit, much higher, and a very low interest rate. And we use that card mainly when we need to consolidate debts or in case of emergency. Well, spending several grand on furniture can add up to quite a few bucks in groceries, so we use that card for some of our purchases. We pretty much maxed it out, but that was okay because we were going to be rolling in dough soon enough. Now, when it came to scheduling the delivery dates, that was my wife's department. She had her phone out, checking dates and filling in the calendar. I really didn't pay too much attention to those details. In the last episode of this podcast, I talked about how we had taken out a bridge loan, so we actually owned both houses for the period of one week. And during that week, we had planned to paint, and I planned to do a minor renovation. Well... We also scheduled the furniture delivery for later in that same week as well. There was something attractive about moving into a furnished house. Maybe not practical, but, well, (laughs) yeah, anyway. So, January, less than a month before closing day. There was a recall on our minivan and we took it to the dealership for service, but... Because I added some more work while it was there, they didn't finish the same day. But that was okay. We had planned for that. On Wednesday, my wife was scheduled to work in the afternoon. Perfect. She can drop me off at the dealership when she leaves for work, and I don't have to wait around for the dealership's shuttle service to come and pick me up. So that's exactly what we did. She dropped me off in the parking lot at the dealership. I went inside to take care of the bill and get the key and she took off to go to work. I was on my way home when I came up to an intersection where traffic seemed to be backed up a bit. I remember thinking at the time, there's probably an accident at the corner. And sure enough, a police car came flying up behind me that caused that momentary panic that always happens whenever I see a police car in my rearview mirror. But thankfully, he passed me and uh, pretty much confirmed that there was indeed an accident at the corner. Now, I will admit that I am a bit of a rubbernecker. Don't judge me, and don't pretend that you're not. We all try to catch a glimpse whenever we drive by something like that. And as I inched along, I did glance over to check out the damage. There was a truck at the corner at the light. Kissing his bumper was a car that had its back end obviously hit pretty hard, and several feet behind that car was an SUV with substantial front-end damage. When I saw that, I... Flash back to a similar accident that I had been in myself almost 30 years ago. And I remember thinking, poor sap, but better him than me. Now, I know that sounds terrible, but there were people standing outside the cars and it didn't look like anyone was hurt. And that was when I noticed that my wife was among the people standing around and realized that that car was ours. And we were the poor sap. Yeah, so I immediately pull into the parking lot and uh, see what happened. Now, what had happened was the truck had stopped at the red light and my wife stopped behind the truck. 
for whatever reason, the lady driving the SUV did not stop. And she smashed into my wife and pushed her into the pickup truck. Fortunately, there were no injuries, although the ambulance was called and they checked my wife out. And my wife did insist that she was okay. Now, if I've learned anything from my own experience or from watching Judge Judy in the People's Court with my wife, is that you never, ever, 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 ever say that you are okay at the scene of an accident. We could have been rich. Rich, I tells you. Well, maybe not, but uh, yeah, we're, we're not the type to file a frivolous lawsuit, but you never know what aches and pains and injuries might show up once the adrenaline wears off. At the end of the day, the only damage was to sheet metal and plastic. Now, the taillights of our car were smashed in, so they towed our car. And I gave my wife a ride home, and she spent the afternoon on the phone with the insurance company, which was its own special kind of BS. The guy on the phone was interrogating my wife as if the accident had been her fault. For crying out loud, she was stopped at a red light. Then, on top of that, he gave her a hard time for not getting the other driver's information. The police were on the scene almost immediately, so we didn't think it was necessary to get the information because we figured that it was all going to be in the police report. Well, <laughs> it turns out that it takes the insurance company about six weeks to get police reports. Six weeks! So my wife had to go to the police station the next day to get the report herself so the insurance company could get rolling on the claim. Meanwhile, we were waiting for the adjuster to assess the damage to our car. Well, at least we had a rental vehicle which was covered by the insurance in the meantime. Remember, the accident happened on Wednesday. We didn't hear anything until the following Tuesday when the insurance company called my wife and offered a settlement. They were writing the car off because there was damage to the frame. Now, for us, this seemed like a worst-case scenario because we were in the fifth year of a five-year car loan, and I was looking forward to no longer having car payments for a while. Now, we had to go out and buy another vehicle. We got back to the insurance company on Wednesday to accept the settlement offer. It actually turned out to be more than fair and generous, but we were also informed at the same time that we were only covered until the following Tuesday on the rental. And we still had to get the ownership to the insurance company in order to uh, transfer the ownership over so that they could issue the check. So now I'm running back and forth to the insurance company to sign over the ownership and then back another day to pick up the check. And all of this may not seem like a big deal, but each time was an hour round trip. <laughs> Talk about a big old time suck. And basically, we ended up having to shop for a car without having money in hand. We could have settled for a cheaper used car and basically broke even on the whole deal. But we actually got a good deal on a demo. You know, one of those cars that the salesman will drive around to impress his family and friends. While this demo only had 4,000 kilometers on it, and it was three model years newer than the car that we had, plus it was pretty much loaded. We would just have to take out another car loan for a few years. Normally, I would have been excited about this purchase, but the timing of it all was a major distraction. The hours that we spent test driving cars 
could have been better spent packing boxes. At least the timing seemed to work out. We went car shopping on Friday. We were expecting to receive the settlement check later that same day. The car was going to be ready for us on Tuesday, which was the same day that we had to turn in the rental. Except, we didn't receive the check until Monday. And the check was made out to both the financing company and us. And I guess this is the way that they do things. Instead of calling the financing company, verifying the amount that was owed on the, on the balance of the loan and paying them off and then just giving us the check for the difference. No, that's not the way they do things. That would make sense. Instead, I have to go to the financing company, give them the check, and then they issue a check back to us for the difference. So I go to the bank with the check. And the lady at the bank verifies the amount left on the loan. And I expect her to print out a check for the difference. Nope. That's not the way it works. The refund had to be issued by the head office in Toronto. Or as some people like to say, Toronto. Either way, we would get our, the, we would get our share in the mail in a week to 10 days. 10 days? We needed the money now for the down payment on the car. We had a line of credit with a zero balance, and that would have covered the down payment without any trouble whatsoever, except that it would take a couple days for that money to be transferred into our account. And the dealership wasn't really in favor of waiting around for a couple days because they expected us to pick up the car when we agreed to pick up the car. I don't know what they would have done if we waited an extra day or two, but... It is what it is. Fortunately, we have that low-rate credit card that I talked about earlier, the one that we only use in case of emergency or for debt consolidation. I guess this kind of qualifies as an emergency. But the dealer doesn't want us using a credit card for the down payment. Lucky for us, this credit card also issues checks that work exactly like regular checks, except they are essentially cash advances. So, good. <sighs> we write the check for the down payment, and we drive away. Incidentally, we received the refund from the financing company three weeks later. Three weeks! 15 business days, 21 calendar days, not exactly a week to 10 days that we were promised. And the kicker? That money was deposited directly into our account. It wasn't even mailed out. Ridiculous. Frustrating. And the story doesn't end there. That transaction would affect us again later. But that's basically the story of the car accident. Nobody was hurt, and a car is nothing more than sheet metal and plastic, but it was still a huge distraction from what we needed to be doing. Fast forward to February 5th the day that we take possession of our new house. Now, I've mentioned this before. We did the smart thing. We took out a bridge loan. So we actually took possession of the new house a week before we closed on the old house. A bridge loan finances 100% of the purchase price for a certain period. In our case, it was a week, provided that the proceeds from the sale of the other house covers the difference and is paid back as soon as that transaction closes. Anyway, our plan was to get in and paint the bedrooms in the family room during that week, as well as move as much stuff over as we could move ourselves, and 
I talked about how successful we were with all that in the last episode. But that first weekend, because February 5th, I think, was a Friday. So Saturday, we head over to Home Depot in order to get the paints for the bedrooms. And it was busy. And we were in the paint department for well over an hour. My wife wasn't feeling well, so she went out to the car while my daughter and I went to the flooring department to pick out the laminate floor. But without my wife there, I didn't really want to make that decision on my own. So what I did, I took out my phone and I took pictures of the flooring samples that were on display. Later, my wife and I perused the pictures on the phone, each of us deleting the ones we absolutely didn't like at all. Then, with about a dozen choices left, we each rated them on a scale of 1 to 3. 1 if we loved it, 2 if we were okay with it, and 3 if it was eh, meh. And then we added our scores together and came up with a short list of 5 floors, with one of those floors standing out from the others. It was a pretty slick idea. On Tuesday, I went back to Home Depot to pick up framing and drywall supplies and to pick up dollar samples of each of our flooring choices in order to bring those home. I could only get four samples. <laughs> what are the odds? The one sample that I couldn't get was the one sample that we had ranked the highest. So I got out my phone again, and this time I would take video of the display from different angles to get a proper feel for how that floor might look in real life. So when I pull out my phone, there was a Facebook notification that my cousin had messaged me. Now, this cousin and I, we were close when we were kids, but even though we were friends on Facebook, we really don't interact all that much. And she never messages me, so I kind of knew something was up. I didn't have Facebook Messenger on my phone at the time, so I called my wife at home to check my Facebook account from the laptop. And, as I suspected, the news was bad. My aunt, who was 93 years old, had passed away. So yeah, I'm dealing with that news in the middle of Home Depot. Anyway, on Wednesday we found out that the funeral was going to be on Thursday. Would have been much more convenient for us if it was Friday, but what can you do? Thursday. The same day that we had scheduled two furniture deliveries and the movers. And the funeral was scheduled in the middle of the afternoon. It was the worst possible timing. How dare my aunt die? How dare the family schedule a funeral at such an inconvenient time? Why do bad things always happen to me? Uh, we were only able to reschedule one delivery, and now we shifted into overdrive to get our stuff packed up since we were not going to have that much time on Thursday. Got to tell you, Wednesday was a fun day. I loaded the van with boxes, drove a mile to the new house, offloaded the boxes, returned to the old house, rinse and repeat around the clock. It was on one of these trips at about 3.30 in the morning, the wee hours of Thursday morning, that I was in the driveway of our new house about to return home for another load when the van didn't start. The check engine light had come on during the last round trip, but there was no other indication that anything was immediately wrong. Except now. Turning the key did nothing. I tried calling my wife. I tried calling my kid. And finally I gave up and I walked back to the old house. At least I would be able to use the car, I thought. 
Well, I got to tell you, it was cold that night. It had been a mild winter up to that point, but that night was probably the coldest of the season. And by the time I got home, I was borderline hypothermic, and I think my nose may have been suffering in the early stages of frostbite. So when I got home, I crashed and basically shivered for the next few hours. Okay, so now it's Thursday morning. Our van is incapacitated in the middle of the driveway of our new house. We are expecting furniture delivery sometime between 11 and 1 or something like that. The movers are coming at 10 and we have to be at a funeral by 2. I drop my wife off at the new house where she waits for the furniture delivery and calls for a tow truck. The movers come at 10 and have all the big stuff loaded up and ready to go by 11. Meanwhile, the van has been towed, so at least that's out of the way. The movers and I roll up on the new house probably a minute or two after the furniture delivery guys had just got there. Sofa, chair, two love seats, cocktail table, end tables, bistro set. There was a lot of furniture. And the guys that we were paying by the hour, the movers, could do nothing but sit and wait. Oh, yeah. And, uh... The furniture delivery guys, they needed us to pay the balance that day. We had paid half down and the balance was due upon delivery and I guess I expected to get an invoice that we would take to the stores at some point later on. But apparently upon delivery literally means upon delivery. Who'd have thunk it? They had the uh, credit card machine right there. All I had to do was wipe the credit card. Easy, right? Well, we had still not received the money from the insurance settlement, so we had no money in the bank. And our credit card was maxed out from the half that we paid down for the furniture. We would have $20,000 in the bank the next day from the proceeds of our mortgage, but the furniture delivery guys would not accept a post-dated check. I mean, really? For the sake of one day? Come on, give me a break here. The only other option was to use our other credit card. That same credit card that we used for the cash advance for the down payment on the car. Well, I swiped that card. And it was rejected. Rejected? Really? No way. We were still far away from the credit limit. There was no reason for the card to be rejected. I mean, talk about embarrassing. So I got on the phone with the credit card company. And after navigating their voice menu, which apparently doesn't understand English... I finally spoke to a human being that explained that the reason the card was rejected was because my PIN was frozen because I hadn't used the card. Well, that was true. I had only ever used checks for debt consolidation. I never actually used the card itself. Yet, the card was rejected before I was asked for my PIN. So, this didn't really make sense to me. But anyway, we go through the process... And they reset everything, and then I make the payment successfully. Want to know what the kicker is on this one? I was never asked for my PIN. I later discovered that there is a limit on cash advances. I hadn't really thought about this. Uh, the check that we wrote for the car was for much more than that limit, and it was likely that the card was being rejected for that reason. We were lucky that they had honored the check for the down payment on the car. What a mess that would have been. So anyway, the furniture was delivered, the movers offloaded that first load of household stuff, and they returned to our house to 
take care of the patio furniture and stuff from the shed while my wife and I got ready to go to the funeral. Funerals suck. My aunt was the last of her generation. Mortality sucks. Anyway, by the time we returned home, the van was ready to be picked up. Want to know what was wrong with that? It was the battery. That's it. Just a battery. The old battery was kaput. Would have been cheaper without the tow. Would have been cheaper if there was any indication that it was the battery that had died. I mean, it's not like it was sitting out overnight with the lights on or something like that. This happened while the van was being used, and it just up and died with almost no warning. But no. Gotta pay for the diagnostic test. Gotta pay for a new battery. <laughs> Frustrating. Frustrating seems to be the word of the day. So at this point, the big stuff has been moved. We have attended the funeral, and now we have the van back. We still have a lot of small stuff to pack and move. It seemed like every time we thought we were almost finished, there was another pile of stuff to take care of. So, another night of working around the clock. We still planned to turn in the key early Friday morning so the new owner could get in at a reasonable time, but time was slipping away from us. Friday morning. Just as we were finishing up the last dozen or so boxes and doing a final vacuum of the carpet, the vacuum cleaner dies. Specifically the beater brush, which is kind of necessary to get the dog fur out of the carpet. And I'm not going to leave the house with a bunch of dog fur in the carpet. I want to leave the house as clean as possible for the new owner. So now I'm running over to Canadian Tire to pick up a vacuum, any vacuum, so we can finish cleaning the house. Canadian Tire, if you're not familiar, is a retailer of hardware, automotive, and housewares in, you guessed it, Canada. We Canadians have a love-hate relationship with Canadian Tire. Some folks absolutely despise it, but it is one of my go-to stores when I need something for the house. On my way out, the dog slips between me and the door and hightails it across the street into the neighbor's woodlot. Half an hour it took me to chase the mutt down and return him to the house. Stupid dog. Okay, on to Canadian Tire. Fortunately, there was a Hoover Upright vacuum on sale for half off, so the timing of that sale could not have been better. Finally, something was going our way, except for the part about the vacuum dying in the first place. But I got the vacuum, we finished the cleanup, and we were completely out of the house at a respectable time. But at what cost? There's $100 for the unexpected expense for the last-minute vacuum purchase. $400 surrounding the battery for the minivan because we had to have it towed and pay for diagnostic tests and all that stuff. Add that to the hourly expense while the movers were waiting for the furniture guys to finish their delivery. And included, you know, including all that, the expenses surrounding the car accident. All that gas money we spent running back and forth to the insurance company. Then there's the time. There's the half hour or so that it took me to run over to Canadian Tire to get the vacuum. The half hour or so that I spent chasing this stupid dog. Plus the time that I spent on the phone with the credit card company. Now, fortunately, I wasn't just wasting my time with that. I was also wasting the uh, furniture delivery guy's time. It was a good time all around. And you can't leave out the time that we spent messing around with the insurance and the financing company 
because of the accident and the time that we spent test driving cars before ultimately purchasing one. And keep in mind that all of this happened within a month of the closing date of our house. Most of it happening within a week, even down to the last minute. Can you blame me for being just the slightest bit suspicious of our psycho acts? So, what have we learned? What are the takeaways from this experience? What advice can I pass along to you? Well, number one, this is obvious. We should have been more focused on packing. It would have been much better to have had everything packed up early rather than rushing around at the last minute. We acted as if we had more time than we did when we should have acted like we had less time than we did. Like, have everything ready to go a month early and just live out of boxes for those final weeks. Number two. As much fun as it was to shop for new furniture, we could have waited. We could have camped out in the house for a while if necessary. And planning those furniture deliveries on the same day as the movers? That probably wasn't the wisest decision we ever made. Number three. Some things you just can't plan for. Like my aunt dying, or the car accident. Life's funny that way. You have to expect the unexpected. Number four. I mentioned this in the last episode, and it bears repeating here. We should have taken out a longer bridge loan. We simply planned to do too much in one week. But at the end of the day, we survived all of the chaos. And I think that's the most important takeaway here. As ridiculous and frustrating and chaotic as things got, we still managed to make it to the other side. And on that note, I am going to wrap up this episode. But before I go, I would like to take a moment to tell you about our sponsor, Thomas Avenue Ceramics. Thomas Avenue Ceramics was established with one simple principle. Usher the ceramic tile industry into the digital age. Thomas Avenue Ceramics founders are industry veterans with 70 years of experience. Their fathers were in the tile business, so they grew up in that world. It is this intimate understanding of the industry, along with the working relationships built over those many years, that provide Thomas Avenue Ceramics with the means to produce beautiful, high-quality products all available at the click of a button. Thomas Avenue Ceramics provides helpful design guides to get you started, measuring tools to ensure accurate orders, real-time live chat, and friendly customer service personnel available for phone orders. When you visit their website, you can browse their selection of floor tiles, wall tiles, backsplashes, and mosaics, all in the comfort of your own home without having to deal with a pestering salesperson. Samples can be sent right to your door so you never have to leave your house. Tile is a permanent decision. Take your time without any additional pressure and when you are ready, their professional sales staff is available behind the screen to answer any of your questions. As a listener of this podcast, you can save 20% off your order when you go to thomasavenueceramics.com slash hammer and enter the coupon code hammer. That's Thomas. T-H-O-M-A-S AvenueCeramics.com slash hammer and enter the coupon code hammer at checkout. You can also click through the link on the show notes page 
for this episode. I would like to thank you for joining me for the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast. Show notes for this episode, as well as past episodes, can be found at thumbandhammer.com, where you can sign up for my mailing list so you never miss an update. If you want to contact me, you can do that through the website as well. I would love to hear from you. I will talk to you again in a couple weeks. Cheers. Cheers.